0: Hello, listeners. I want to share an amazing resource with you. It's called Hello Divorce. Founded by a lawyer and certified family law specialist, Hello Divorce can help you no matter where you are in your divorce process. So whether you're just getting started or if you're near the end but have stalled out and need help to get over the finish line, Hello Divorce can help. They provide full-service divorce support, and they can handle divorces of all kinds, all net worths, and with or without children. It's completely online, convenient, and they offer you support all the way through. Their clients get divorced in one-third the time and at one-tenth the typical cost. So go to hellodivorce.com backslash beyond and receive $100 off the cost of their services. And I want you to know Erin Levine, who's my friend and the CEO and founder of Hello Divorce was a guest on episode 197 entitled, Get the FYI on DIY Divorce. So be sure to go check it out. We'll link in the show notes. Hello, listeners. I just wanted to let you know that since we taped this episode with Ginger, we've had to shuffle the schedule at Most and Guthrie. So the training that we talk about in this episode that Ginger will be conducting is no longer taking place at the end of March, but it will be rescheduled for the end of the year. So stay
1: tuned for the new dates.
0: Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast
1: over 22 million families in the U.S. alone are suffering this. That's a huge number. So many are reuniting and reversing this. And when you say it's hopeless, you're kind of closing a door. And it's sometimes surprising how these doors can open, how there can be sometimes subtle changes or dramatic changes that lead to families healing from what really is a silent epidemic, alienation.
0: Hello and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I am Susan Guthrie, your host, and today we are joined again by filmmaker and coach Ginger Gentile. Hi, Ginger. It's nice to see you again.
1: Hi, Susan. It's so good to be here again with you.
0: And I'm so pleased that you have come back to join us. Your area of expertise is really one of those areas where I I truly find it, you know, to be that area of family law and dysfunction in a family dynamic, especially post-separation, that is so intractable, so painful for families to be going through. It really brings about sort of a frantic energy around it and despair and and of course i'm talking about alienation estrangement we'll talk a little bit about all the various terms that people use for this for those of you who have not listened to ginger's prior episode ginger is the filmmaker of the hit documentary erasing family and she we have an entire wonderful episode talking about the film and talking about ginger's own personal history and and Um, having been a child who has been through an alienation or estrangement experience. And so I I strongly urge you to go listen to that episode. I will link to it in the show notes. But since that time, Ginger has gone on to become really one of the foremost coaches in the area of helping the parents who are estranged reunite with their family, with their child, with their children. Um, so sort of unerasing the family or, <laughs> or bringing the family back. Um, she went through training with Bill Eddy. We all love Bill Eddy out there in my audience. Um, and she is a coach at the High Conflict Institute, but she's also established her own coaching platform, which is reversingparentalalienation.com And so today she's coming back because I know that those of you who are out there listening right now, who are going through some of the situations that we're going to be talking about are feeling like there's no recovery. There's no coming back from this. You don't know what to do. And Ginger has helped families reunite. She has unerased, helped parents unerase themselves. And so we're going to dive a little bit into that today. And so again, I really appreciate your joining me again today here, Ginger. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Susan. I think it's that's such a wonderful way to open this is that parental alienation It's known by a thousand different terms, but it's basically uh, when a child is taught or prevented uh, from loving another parent. They're taught to dislike that parent, hate that parent, or at other times they do love that parent, but they're prevented from seeing that parent or having a normal relationship with them. It's very heartbreaking. People feel very alone in this. But I just want to start by reminding everybody, and this is not my research. This is research that has been backed up by polling over 22 million families in the U.S. alone are suffering this. That's a huge number. So many are reuniting and reversing this. So there is hope. And I myself, I I always say people come to me. They're on the hopeless. (laughs) They're they're, they're the hopeless I help the worst of the worst. And you can always improve any situation, but there is hope. And to always allow that hope in, because I've seen strange things happen. I've seen miracles happen. I've also seen parents following a plan and a strategy get reunited. And when you say it's hopeless, you're kind of closing a door. And it's sometimes surprising how these doors can open, how there can be sometimes subtle changes or dramatic changes that lead to families healing from what really is a silent epidemic, alienation.
0: It, it it really is. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this episode and talk what you because you and I have been talking. Um, one thing I want to mention, Ginger is going to be doing a training on her method for Most and Guthrie. So to my professionals out there, or to those of you who have professionals, who after you hear this episode, you think will benefit from Ginger's training, please, you know, check the show notes, we'll have a link to the training but as we've worked through the training and as you know you've been building this out i have just been blown away by your approach because it's it's the it's an approach based upon your experience both in the um, world of estrangement, I'll call it I'm, I just for lack of a better term, but also in working with so many people who have been alienated or estranged from their children and actually helping them you know through making behavior changes through focusing actually on themselves and we'll get more into that rather than the children's behavior or their ex's behavior and that has proven to be successful, as you just said. So it's so wonderful to be able to have you on to share a little bit of hope for those who are feeling hopeless, um, which we know they are. So one of the things I wanted to ask you is, you know, your working definition of alienation, because and, and, you know, you already mentioned this, and I, I sort of alluded to it. Alienation, resist, refuse, estrangement, you have a few more that, that are out there in the pop culture. Keeping,
1: um The old fashioned term. People have been talking about this for hundreds of years in court. Uh, alienation of affection. Oh yeah. We, we'll yeah. for that. Um, family bond obstruction. Um, loyalty conflict. Um, uh, family alliance bond issues. I, I'm trying to go through all of them, but. First of all, parental alienation is a pop culture term. It's what people search for in Google. It's a hashtag. And pretty much, and this has changed a lot since I've started working on this topic about a decade ago, I would say 95% of people working in the family court know this is a problem. Whether they use that term or not, this is a huge problem. The issue is not everyone knows how to solve it. But basically the definition that I work with and I think is, is simpler is when there's a child who has previously had a good relationship with a parent, and all of a sudden, after a divorce or separation, or it's, it could also be gradual, they no longer want to have a normal relationship with that parent. Now, relationships change. People can get angry at each other. Children can prefer one parent. But this is when they develop almost a fear or a phobia. They just reject a parent. And it's very unclear why. Often their reasons are very unclear, but they're very passionate about these reasons. The person who's doing this alienation could often is the other parent. It could be a step parent. It could also be another family member. The way I look at those, the person who's doing the alienation, sometimes they are motivated by by financial gain. If they get the kid more time, they'll get more assets. These are actually probably the easier cases to solve because you have a somewhat rational actor who's being motivated by something, I often advise parents, we'll see if you can pay them off. They say, well, that's unfair. I'm like, well, this will save you a world of hurt. If there's some sort of negotiation you can do, sometimes they're out for revenge because they feel left behind, um, abandoned, they were cheated on, and they want to hurt the person where they hurt the most which is their kid, which comes to another term, um, dom- um, domestic abuse by proxy. So you're abusing one person but using the kid as a pawn. Again, also a somewhat angry but rational actor. The tough cases, which are what I see, is when the person who's alienating is repeating a traumatic childhood. And so this person has been frozen in a trauma response from childhood. And very often, they will say that their father abandoned them, their mother abandoned them, that this happened to them as a child. And what's interesting is a lot of my clients... Who are the person being alienated? They also had a parent who's alienated from them. So, what the first key, which is in the definition of itself, if people are repeating traumatic behavior patterns, is one, it gives us a little grace to remind ourselves not to get angry at that person, which we'll talk about later is key to solving this, but also understanding that what they're acting isn't rational. Um, and I'll give you a very quick example that I see all the time. The parent who is doing the alienation. Uh, gets child support payments and then they'll do anything it takes to get the other parent who's paying them child support fired. And everyone would say, why would you want the person who's paying you money to get fired? This is irrational. They're out to destroy the other person to prove a point. Maybe they even want to get back with that person. Or if they stop alienating, they have to admit that their parent when they were a kid did something wrong and they can't admit that yet. They might never be able to admit that. So if we acknowledge that this is a traumatic response, it frees the parent who's suffering from having to convince the other parent that what they're doing is wrong. And this is one of the biggest traps parents fall into. I just want to convince the other person that they're wrong, that they're, they're causing me this harm, our child this harm, they're causing themselves harm. And they you cannot convince these people This doesn't mean there's ways to make it stop, but they will never change their opinion because to change their opinion would mean kind of shifting their worldview. And these people often don't go to therapy. They're not interested in shifting their worldview.
0: Yeah. And that's where I think you have really shifted the narrative and this training that you're doing in your particular approach to the coaching is so transformative and, and successful for these families because- you know, you have just right there summed up the fact that in identifying perhaps the reasoning or the the impetus behind the alienating behaviors, it's not saying, okay, now that you know these alienating behaviors are happening and they come from a trauma response, go to your co-parent and talk to them and you're going to convince them to stop it why it's not good. That's not your approach. Nor is your approach to go to the kids and explain to them, hey, your mom or dad had a trauma in their past, and this is why they're doing this. Your approach is to work with the person who's being, and, and by the way, throughout this episode, we're going to use alienation because it is the pop culture term, and it's probably why if you clicked on this title, you 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 know are listening to this episode. We're talking about the plethora of activities that someone might do, as you said, to sort of you know, hinder children's relationship with one of their parents, um, and and I know that you come at it very much from working with the parents. Of course,
1: I can just jump in there about the term alienation and estrangement. Often, what people say is, they if someone's alienated it means they've done nothing wrong and the relationship is destroyed. And estrangement is based on something bad that that parent did. The reason why I think these terms and I use them almost interchangeably or don't really care too much which term we're trying to figure it out is that when you spend a lot of time on the diagnosis, it also just gets back into blaming. Well, how much is this parent to blame for the breakdown of the relationship? And I've seen cases, and a lot of the times it's a range. There are some cases where perhaps the only thing that parent did wrong was pick a partner who had these behavioral trauma patterns and didn't notice it and didn't do their due diligence and research. And sometimes the parents who come to me saying that they're alienated, They've done some things that I understand why their child wouldn't want to see them. Or after the alienation, they don't pursue a relationship with that child. So for example, I'm working right now with a, a father who hasn't reached out to his daughter in 20 years. And in his mind, he's alienated. I will, looking at the court case, that is what happened. But there was 20 years where there was no response either on his part, no of seeing his daughter. So now that alienation has become an estrangement. So it's always like, how can we get the family dynamic healed as opposed to saying, well, what exact box does this um, fit into? And I also want to mention there are families where both parents are alienating and one happens to win.
0: Yeah, well, and, and this is much like when we're dealing, go back everyone and listen to all the episodes with Bill Eddy or Tracy Malone. It's much like dealing with, And I'm going to, if you can't see me, if you're listening to the podcast, but I'm putting up the finger quotes around narcissist. And I've always said, it doesn't really matter whether you're divorcing a narcissist or someone who's just being an asshole or whatever (laughs) it is. The real thing that you need to hone in on is dealing with the behaviors that are coming at you And and, and, and dealing with what you can control. And that's you. And that's where you come at this particular problem with. So you know, let me ask you, you, you have a new client. You've mentioned a couple of your clients, pretend that I'm a new client. I'm coming to you. And, and I know, cause I've had clients for anyone out there who says estrangement, alienation do not exist. I've been a family law attorney for 30 years. Trust me, it exists. I've had the clients and as a professional, I've had very limited means of what I could do with it. My only, you know, the real approach legally is to beat the alienator into submission in a courtroom by proving they're alienating and have the judge order strong arm tactics, which is very unpalatable to a lot of people, including the professionals. Your Mm. approach would be the parent coming to you, but they're they're pretty frantic. They're pretty beaten down. They're pretty depressed. They're pretty upset. How do you start out with a parent in that state?
1: Well, the first thing I want to say is that people notice this Time is not on your side, and the sooner you get the help, the better. Also, in my experience, the courts, there's a lot of backlog. Each court is so different with how they deal with this. Each judge is so different. But if it's caught earlier, the courts are more likely to issue a remedy. And by earlier, I mean within the first few months. And a lot of parents, they wait for stuff to happen, get worse, and then five years later, they decide to build a case. And that is very hard because, unfortunately, the courts often – First off, the child's over 12 or 13 in a lot of jurisdictions, what the child says goes, but also say, well, there's been alienation. It's really sad, but now the child is used to this parent status quo. status quo. They want to maintain the status quo. So the first thing I often ask, you know, I just ask a question, like, what would happen if you showed up at the doorstep or your kid's school to pick them up? And the reason why I'm asking this is this gauge is what the behavior of the child is. Will they go reluctantly, but be moody? Will they be angry? Will they run away? And a lot of parents will say, well, I haven't tried that. I haven't tried to pick them up because the other parent says no. A lot of what I do in the beginning also is just to to create some safe space and calm the parent down. I also have a course right now called the Reversing Alienation Roadmap, and each lesson involves a meditation, very short five minutes, but it's about reprogramming people so they see the positive, they believe that they are a positive influence, that they love their children, their children love them, that they will find a way out of this, that everything changes, that nothing is stuck. But also when people are calmer, they can see more options because when we are being traumatized, and this goes for the alien or also the person who's suffering, um, it is our instinct to repeat the same behavior over and over again. So it could be emailing, I want to see the kids, why won't you let me? You're such a horrible person, to which they get no response or response that says, Oh, I'm a horrible person. Well, you're a horrible person. So a lot of what I do in the beginning is applying Bill Eddy's methods at the High Confidence Institute, which is to teach parents new ways to communicate that de-escalate conflict while remaining firm. So the big lesson is and in Bill's method is called the Biff method, brief, informed, and friendly firm. This is just for writing email communications. But I always tell you, you want to be friendly and firm. And a lot of my clients, they have the hardest part is the friendly part.
0: Oh yeah, they're Too not hard. feeling very friendly.
1: Not feeling very friendly, but I'm like, it can be fake friendliness. Like, I hope this email finds you well. Have a great day. But what? But, but the the root of what this method is is. I'm not going to escalate, I'm not going to enter arguments, I'm not going to give advice, I'm not going to criticize, but I am firm. Because what a lot of people do is they say, well, the only way to get the conflict to stop is for me to give in. And that's not good either, because your kid needs you, you need your kid. So that's not really an option, but a lot of people fall back on that. So a lot of the communication should be simply informing, and it should be persistent, And I'll I'll tell a story about a a guy who I just reunited with his daughter um, and he was doing the roadmap and there's a group coaching component and he was only on lesson four. It's a 12 lesson plan. And he goes to me, Ginger, I've been trying this and it's not working. I said, well, this has been going on for four years. You've been working on this for about a month. And he was specifically, his plan was he couldn't see his daughter. She lived in another country. He had the right to phone calls and Skype, but it wasn't being honored. So my advice to him was to start taking that time, calling during the appointed time, sending emails and just being very polite and saying, you know, even playing a little dumb and be like, maybe you didn't get my email, but per court order at 9 a.m. on Tuesdays, I'm going to talk with the daughter, right? And just keep doing this and never get angry. Why aren't you paying? But just every week at the time, try calling, texting and saying an email. But polite. And after a year of not seeing his daughter, he got a Skype call. And this was all due to the mom changing because the daughter's four. So there's no way, there's nothing that we can do to work on the daughter or message her or use social media. So I think for a lot of the parents, it's consistency. And they often have this idea of, well, I'm going to try once or make one attempt. And then if it doesn't work, well, I try. And sometimes you have to make 100 attempts. Sometimes it is one. So it's about showing consistency that you're going to show up no matter what. And then as far as the children go, um, especially when they're teenagers, the other, I think, general advice is for parents to remind the kids that they're they're the parent. They have a moral and legal obligation to be responsible for them, to know what's going on, and that the relationship does not depend on the kid's desire. Because a lot of parent, p- people are like, well, what does the kid want? How do they feel? And as all parents know, sometimes kids don't want to do certain things, be with a parent, especially teenagers, and it doesn't really matter. So, But the gift you're giving the kid by saying it doesn't matter how you feel, you're not ignoring their feelings. It's that often they're being told to put on a show or encouraged to put on a show. And this way, they're freed from doing that because they're like, whatever you do, I'm going to show up anyway. You can be happy about it or not. If there's a way we can make this better and more fun, let's talk about it. But if not, that's okay. I'm going to pick you up. You don't have to enjoy it. And what this does is it gives the kid the permission to to like kind of go along and not be happy about it. And then, but once they do, then you can work on making it pleasant for them. But if they don't actually want to see you, we never get to the next stage of rebuilding the relationship.
0: Hey listeners, I want to take a minute to share some exciting news with you. You all know my wonderful friend Bella Gandhi, America's and Divorce and Beyond's favorite dating expert. You've seen her all the time on Good Morning America, Today Show, and all the morning talk shows. Well, two things I want to make sure that you know about. One, go check out her website, the Smart Dating Academy website. She has tons of resources programs, and coaching all there to help you find, as Bella says, the lid to your pot. And you may not know it, but she has her own fabulous podcast with great guests and lots of wonderful insights and tips from Bella herself. So go to smartdatingacademy.com to find both all of those resources and the podcast, or you can find the Smart Dating Academy podcast on all major podcast outlets. Stay tuned for more from Ginger Gentile as she shares her tried and 2 tips for alienated and estranged parents to help them manage their emotions and behaviors in order to produce better outcomes with their children.
1: That miracle moment might happen, where your child seeks out for you, you have to be ready. And calling a coach when the child's knocking on your door or calls you after five years, it's almost too late. So assume that that could happen. Are you prepared for that? Do you know what to say? Do you feel confident that you won't make a mistake, that you're gonna respond with love even if they say something awful? And so the earlier you can work on this, the better, because those things happen, be prepared.
0: If you are finding this episode helpful, be sure to listen to last week's bombshell episode with Dr. Shafali, the New York Times best-selling author and clinical psychologist that Oprah called revolutionary and life-changing as she shares about her latest book, The Parenting Map, that details your step-by-step guide to conscious parenting. That is truly a do not miss episode.
1: But with our children, it's just us and them. So while that seems burdensome and overwhelming, and it is, it's also the portal to go deep and to go hard on our own healing. So our children are truly our teachers to awaken within us our greatest transformation more than any other human being can do. And now we return
0: to today's show. Communication is really the core of how you start changing things. And very often it will be taking a step back from the communication that you've probably been having, which might be angry communication with your ex, with your co-parent and perhaps non-existent or stilted. Um, Or, I mean, we've all heard the uh, telephone message that Alec Baldwin left for his daughter Ireland back during that whole thing where he called her a something little pig or something like that because he took his anger out on the child who was was feeling alienated. So it sounds like one of the first steps is to sort of take an entire step back from where you might have been in your mm-hmm. communication, both with your co-parent and your ch- child or children and reestablish it on this brief, informative, friendly,
1: but firm platform. So it's all about taking a step back. It's about kind of emotionally detaching so when I st- when I started coaching on this, I looked at all the people who I interviewed making the film erasing Racing Family and also all the people who I interviewed but didn't make it into the film. And I noticed that all the people who reunited and healed from this followed the same patterns. If I have a client who's in business, I'm like, you need to think about this like building a business. You copy those that are successful and you put on that business tone with your ex. We've all had difficult clients. and Think of it as as a potential client or business partner who you're not getting along with. And especially with the kids too, it's just being, well, I'm calm no matter what. And sometimes I tell parents when it's really bad, this might not lead to a change right away, especially if this has been going on for five, six, seven years. But what you're doing is planting the seeds so when the child is able to take a step back and they become an adult and they talk to someone, even if they still dislike you, If someone asks them, well, what did your dad do growing up? And you say, well, every time my dad would come to pick me up, my mom would yell at him. um, But he would remain really calm and just say, I love you and say, if I didn't want to get in the car, that was okay. He would leave me a gift and leave. And he would do this every week for six years. And I really can't stand him. The person listening to this is going to begin to question that. Where is if the child says, well, my dad would come to pick me up. And then him and mom would get into a fight for about 45 minutes. Um, Someone would call the cops. Uh, my dad would yell at me and say that I should be grateful for all the child support he pays. And then he'd speed off. And I didn't see him for three years. And then he sent me a birthday card. Um, we just signed his name on the birthday card. And then it was another three years. And he sent me a text message for Christmas. Th- that's a very different thing. Now, the behavior of the alien is the same in both. They're making the right. visitation possible. Yep. Other is you're planting a seed with unconditional love. Another way I explain alienation is that it's conditional love. For me to love you, you need to reject the other parent or the other side of the family. So the person who's being alienated or strange needs to show unconditional love. And this can be very difficult. We're not saying this is easy, but then the child has kind of two visions of what, you know, a healthy relationship can be. One is um, this conditional loyalty bind and the other is unconditional love and also freeze the child because what you don't want to do is put the child in an additional loyalty bind. Why don't you see me? I'm only without you. I miss you. You know, you have the right to see me because often the child is then just kind of wants to avoid the conflict and they, that will encourage them actually to cut a parent out of their life.
0: Oh gosh, there's so much in there that is so important but it all is focused on what you do have control over. And and a lot of what I think that you do and what we're even talking about here is that it really pulls back the uh, the curtain for the listeners on just how important their reactions to everything is. But it's not just The your clients, it's just not the parents here. There are a lot of professionals often involved in these, and I have you know, again, having been one of those, I know that unfortunately, sometimes they can really ramp up what's already a very difficult situation, or just have other impacts on the situation.
1: There's a lot of people who don't have a lot of professionals involved because of the high cost, Mm and there's some families who are able to afford a lot of professionals, and sometimes the list of the professionals gets ever and ever expanding. And what a lot of professionals have a tendency to do is to try to diagnose or figure out what the problem is. We often see custody evaluators. um, Sometimes they do reports that can take a very long time. Um, Even people who are in therapy, the therapist is trying to figure out what's really going on. By using a skills-based approach, what we're saying is that whatever happened in the past is almost impossible to know exactly what happened. Because people also, you know, we always have to remind ourselves, most of our memories are very fallible, and we're rewriting and them them all the time. So it's it's impossible to know what happened five years ago to cause this. But skills can help anybody. And the right skills will help uh, a a situation of alienation or estrangement that's kind of mild and also help one that's severe. And I think what a lot of, and then by teaching skills, first of all, it gives people something practical to do. It's teaching parents, because sometimes parents are thrust into therapy with their kids after not seeing them for a very long time. And the kid will issue a ton of complaints, sometimes accusations that are untrue, And the parent doesn't know how to respond. They go, but you do love me. Don't you remember you loved me? The kid says, I never loved you. And the therapist says, well, let's end this for today. And instead of saying, well, what are some ground rules? How do you respond if a child is angry? What are some skills? How can the session be about, well, let's just spend time together, not doing anything or not trying to figure stuff out, but maybe we even watch Netflix together, but we just get used to each other's presence or play a game or talk about something or do an activity together. Um, so I think like, it's it's the more we can move away from the blame and the more we can tell people these are the skills you can work on. These are classes you, you could take. These are even scripts you could try. These are things to say when, when things come up, in part to deescalate the situation, because also children don't want to be in hours upon hours of therapy, taken out of school, having to talk about their feelings. This can also lead to rejection of a parent because they just say, well, if I just stop seeing that parent, they don't have to do all this bullshit, right? And then another thing that's important is whenever kids bring up a complaint and parents often say, well, what do I do if the complaint wasn't true? Is to thank them for giving that information because they are sharing something with you, that's hard. And that's the start of intimacy. then apologizing for how they feel. So if they said, you were never around, and I felt abandoned. You can always apologize that they felt abandoned, even if you tried and you don't have to bring up, well, I did try. Because when people are upset, they cannot think logically. So the more you can calm the person down and be, calming, or be a calming presence for both the child and the ex, the more they're going to be able to react uh, logically. And then the last thing I just want to talk about about professionals too, is that parents were going through this They feel very alone. They wanna prove that what is happening to them is alienation. It's an unjustified estrangement. It's an emotional cutoff. And they wanna tell, they have usually mountains of evidence. Parents should focus on showing how they're a loving parent and how they're calm and how they're willing to try new things. And when information comes up, get, get curious about it, ask questions as opposed to arguing with it. This is with kids, your ex, but also professionals.
0: Yes. Yeah, because
1: I'm a lot sure. of people go on, like, I'm just gonna tell the professional how they're doing a bad job, how they're botching this case. Um, or I'm gonna bring in a stack of papers about all the text communications. And then often the, the report comes back saying, um, parent A has a need to prove that the other parent is wrong. And this obsession. Um so to always say, "Oh, that's interesting. What can I do to improve the situation? What can I do better next time? Are there books I can read? Are there cl- courses I can take? Is there something I can watch? What should I say when my child says that? What how can I do better? You're 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 the professional." And building an ally with them. Um because professionals are people too, and I hate to say it, but they often like to help the people who are less annoying. <laughs> But it's, it's true. When someone Bill has uh,
0: said that as well. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's, so, so for the parents listening, like the, the more you, collaborative you can be, even if at the end you're like, I'm not sure if I really, if this court appointed person is really the best, it's possibly true. But you're not going to prove the situation by complaining. But ask them to do. Sometimes the professional doesn't know and they'll say, I have nothing to give you. Okay. But it's always like, well, what can I do better? You're right. I did come off as angry in the first session. What should I do? And you can even say, as you can understand, if if a child insults you, that could lead to anger. You're right. I shouldn't do that. What are some techniques I can do so I don't do that? What should I say? What 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 type of response are you looking for? And see what they have to say.
0: I'm listening to you and I'm just thinking of the value of everything that you're saying here is so important because everything you're describing about both the professionals involved and the parents who are involved and the children, I have seen over and over again. And that escalation of emotion, as opposed to these very practical um, applicable strategies that you're talking about handling because much as when you're dealing with a narcissist or someone who's exhibiting narcissistic behaviors you start to see patterns in behavior i think here you also start to see because you know you've helped so many families go through this you start to see sort of patterns in in what happens and what will be effective in dealing with that pattern versus our human nature response, which is often less than effective.
1: This also happens to me a lot. Someone comes with me because they're alienated from one child, and then they reveal they also have other children from another partner who are alienated. Mm-hmm. So I had I, I worked with a dad like that, you know, just by shifting. So first of all, he began to text his adult son differently. So instead of saying, why don't you see me? I'm your dad. This is awful. He just started saying, hey, how's your new life in Colorado? Oh, it's great. Oh, skiing. Oh, okay. And then two or th- I think it was like two or three months later. Um, I get an email from him. We're going to go out to lunch. Any tips? And I was like, we've been working long enough together. You got this. Just be curious and keep it light. When in doubt, keep it light, keep it fun. But also with his younger daughter and he had no rights to see her through the court, just phone calls just by shifting his energy with his ex. And then he began to present it as was like, well, you know, if I, if I take care of her, you have more time to do stuff for yourself. And they started to see each other on a weekly basis, but he also admitted to me and he was so happy to see his daughter. He said, but you know, it's so hard to be nice to her. It's hard. Yeah. It's, it's tough. He was crying because like this, she has done so much to hurt me, my relationship with my daughter, like, right. But this is the key. It does work but it is difficult. So it's like the, the formula is easy. It's, it's the accountability and that's where coaching comes in. Support groups come in working with good professionals is keeping that over and over again. Cause also I, I, you know, BIF is so easy and a lot of parents will show me their response. Like I did Biff. it's not working and it's brief, but it's not friendly, <laughs> you know,
0: and it's, it's, and it's not firm and it's over informative.
1: <laughs> right. So, so So to keep keep that also like you're always, if nothing else, even if this doesn't work at all, you'll be calmer because you're not in an emotional state. And you're mirroring to your child, how to respond to a high conflict person, their other parent who they're gonna have to deal with the rest of their life. And this child often doesn't have good role models because of this situation. So you need to be that role model and parents are always energetically connected to their kids. I just read a study that um, fathers' diets influence their children's. There's so much science is seeing there's so much connection between parents that we, it's not woo woo. It's like there is this energetic connection. And if you're like, I wish my spouse wouldn't badmouth me, stop badmouthing the spouse. That energy will be felt sooner or later by your child. And other people will say, wow, you're such a good person. And then if your child does research on you, follows you on social media and sees that everyone speaks highly of you, that you have all these friends, that you're beloved in the community, that's a very different message than if they stalk you on social media, which they will do, or even they will ask people yeah. and say, wow, this person has no friends, no life. And every post they do is about how depressed they are. But the change has to come from within. It can't be faked. And it takes time and work.
0: Well, and that's, you know, ultimately, I think everyone who's listened to this episode can tell, you know, the the keys here are really first turning inward. If you are the alienated or estranged or kept parent or whatever we're, phrase we're going to use, ha, you know, turning inward, making that inner change for yourself, having patience and having a strategy. And that is what you do in working with your clients. You have seen it work. So I want to make sure that people know. So if people did want to work out with you, you've mentioned both your program and your coaching. What's the best place to find both of those?
1: So people can reach me at reversingparentalienation.com. And on there, there's a free training anyone can take. It's only 45 minutes. And then they can also sign up for a class called The Roadmap. It's 12 weeks. Go at your own pace. You can add on group coaching. Or you can work with me one-on-one as a coach. And when I work one-on-one, it's very personalized and individualized with what that person needs. But the basics of the methods that I use, they work with people with young children. They work with adult kids who they haven't seen in 10 or 20 years. But the earlier you can start, the better. Because so I have so many parents who want to work with me. They're like, because I'm finally going to get a chance to see my child after five years on Friday. And this appearance thing, I'm joking with them. That miracle moment might happen where your child seeks out for you. You have to be ready. And calling a coach when the child's knocking on your door or calls you after five years, it's almost too late. So assume that that could happen. Are you prepared for that? Do you know what to say? Do you feel confident that you won't make a mistake, that you're going to respond with love, even if they say something awful? And so the earlier you can work on this, the better, because those things happen be prepared.
0: And that's the core of what you do? To help people, so if you want to work with Ginger directly, if you are a parent going through this experience, go to reversingparentalalienation.com. I will have the link in the show notes. And if you are a professional out there who would benefit from learning this method, I'm as I mentioned at the top of the episode, Ginger is creating a brand new, groundbreaking. I tell you training for professionals, for coaches, for attorneys, for mediators. If you are dealing with clients who are going through this situation, she is going to be teaching her method, the basics of her method. So you can help these families. Um, So go to mostandguthrie.com. I'll put the link directly to the training in the show notes Um, that is taking place at the end of March. So join us for that training. I'm, I'm so excited. I'll, I'll be taking it myself. So I'll see you all there. Um, Ginger, for what you do and for the families that you are helping, I just thank you because this is so, so difficult. Truly, I don't know of a more intractable problem in family law.
1: It is a big problem. There is change happening. And I am really committed to reuniting a thousand families this year um, through the course and the coaching and also training others and educating people about this. Um, there is hope. It's it's a big problem, it's a serious problem. But I also tell parents, just one last piece of advice, surround yourself by people who are reuniting and who are changing their lives. It's very easy to get sucked into people who are complaining um, about this and the complaints don't help. Find the people who are making improvements in their lives and surround yourselves by them and the people who are reuniting. And if you see that story on Facebook of someone who reunited after, you know, 10 years. Print it out, take a screenshot and like remind yourself it's possible.
0: You know where you can find those people at reversingparentalalienation.com um, in Ginger's program and follow Ginger on social media because she's also puts a lot of um, wonderful stories and different tips like this in her social media. What is your Instagram handle
1: Ginger? So the best one is for the film so it's at Erasing family.
0: I'll have that in the show notes as well. So, Ginger, thank you again for joining me and thank you for all you're doing. I think, you know, you're I'll I'll end with your words. There is hope. Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond Podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com, where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond.